I just wanted to, to make note on the fact that this is our last service uh, or, or format, the way that we've been doing this since March 15th. And it's hard to believe that it's been that long since COVID started. Um, but starting next week, um, it's time to evolve. It's time to take the next step. So starting next week, we're going to offer two different live stream options. So at 9 o'clock will be a sanctuary service uh, that will be, be filmed here. And we'll alternate between our 845 praise and worship and our traditional service styles. And then at 11 o'clock will be Crossroads style worship um, every single week. So. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, it's yeah, it is exciting. But it is, um, as I said in the the video that Ben and I shot this week, we have learned so much as a staff, mm -hmm. and I think that selfishly, it's been a gift uh, mm -hmm. for us to be able to work in this format. But we recognize that one of the things for a long time that's made us special as a church is that we offer different ways for people to connect and to experience the Lord in worship. And so we want to step uh, back into that next week, and just grateful that we are that we have the staff and the, the talent and the resources to be able to do that. So. Right. It has been a gift to be able to, to do worship together in ways that our previous um, schedule didn't allow right. us to do. Yeah. So uh, I agree. Uh, so today we continue our sermon series on the theology of play. And uh, the first, uh, our first uh, uh, Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, you and Jeff shared with us around creation and how when, when God approached this mammoth task of creating the world, God did so with a sense of playfulness and that um, our very appropriate human response to, to God's handiwork is to experience it with delight and wonder right. and that that is a, a way of being playful. And then last week, Colette and Jeff shared with us about Jesus' teaching that in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you must become like a child, and shared with us the technique of godly play as a way that our children approach scripture with wonder and awe and explore what the, the word has to say to them. And so this past week, I was on vacation, so I've had an, had an opportunity to do some sermon research, right, for this series. And it was really a staycation, which was different for me. And I got to admit, it was a challenge. I'm used to going somewhere and really disrupting my routine and getting my head out of work and normal life. And that didn't happen for me on staycation. So um, if I do this again or when I do this again, I've learned a few things to do, to do a bit differently so I can get out of my head and really get to that place of relaxation and um, joy and not pondering things that I feel like I should be thinking about. Um, but one of the things that I did on stay, staycation was to read, which I love to do, and this book is called Playful by a pastor named Troy Cady, and it says, play is a pathway to personal and relational vitality, although I would add spiritual vitality to it as well. And the way he wrote this book is it's filled with exercises, examines, or spiritual reflections to do in a journal. And... Um, one of the things that I noticed is that uh, one of the activities was to do a play history. And as a child, I mean, my list was huge. And the older I got in the different stages of life, the list got smaller 
and smaller and smaller. And that was a bit of a bummer and a reality check for me um, to pay attention to, um, but I'm not convinced that your list would be all that small, Vern. <laughs> I, was, I was laughing uh, as Lori Beth and I were talking yesterday afternoon, and she was sharing me with, with me that it was difficult um, because I said, gosh, I'm the opposite. It is so easy for me to switch gears from, from work and worry into, into play. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I attribute that to a lot of things, but I think part of it was that um, growing up, I, you know, I grew up with brothers, and, and, and we as children faced the difficulty of our parents splitting up, and, and it, it, I think we recognized like what a, what a safe space play was for us, and what, a, what an escape, and, and just a way to engage um, you know, in something that was, that was up, uplifting and, and light. And I mean, praise God that our parents still, in the midst of all the hard stuff, allowed for that and created yeah. space for that. And that is something that, uh, that I've just been able to carry through. And I told Lori Beth, it's actually harder for me to, to then switch back to, like, I just want to stay and play. If I could figure out <laughs> how to do that, like, just in life, then uh, I'd be fine. But yep. it's harder for me on the other end to, to switch back into that place of, okay, now, now we need to get down to business. Right, right. And I love it. We, I just love the ways that we are so different yeah. and complement each other. Right. And it's so much fun to work together um, because of, of those um, beautiful differences. So today we're going to shift gears and talk about how um, the art of playing, I truly believe, is one of God's gifts to us that allow us to um, is almost a strategy or a tool to allow us to practice peace, mm-hmm. to help us in facing our anxiety, and to, to give us a way of coping with the challenges of life. And I also think play can have a significant, play a significant role for us in understanding ourselves and also understanding who God is. And that then is ultimately, I think, one of the keys of why play can help us lead a less anxious and more peace-filled life. And that's what we want to kind of talk about and explore today. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's so important because I, you know, one of the questions, and it wasn't just a question I got, you know, from my wife when I got home on the first Sunday, but I, but I had people, have had people over the past couple of weeks say, I want to live into this, but I don't know how. Like when things feel so heavy and when there's so much that I feel like I need to focus on and be concerned with, how do I do that? And so hopefully this morning for you is, is less kind of here's why this is important and here's the attitude that we need to adopt and more maybe here's practically how we can do this. And, and I wanted to read this because I, I do think that this names kind of what some of us have been struggling with um, in trying to adapt and adopt this theology of play and make it a, a part of what we practice. This is going back to the book that I, I referenced on the first Sunday, uh, Dangerous Wonder by Mike Iaconelli. Um He says, time for a reality check, right? Playfulness is not a welcome idea for most of us. It sounds frivolous and shallow, distracting and irrelevant, inefficient and unproductive. That's because we live in a technological culture that worships busyness and activity. Under the guise of saving time, we now are inundated with email, pagers, I don't know if people use pagers anymore, (laughs) uh, and cell phones. We end each day smothered by the demands of our time and are greeted each new morning with more to do, not less. Play? There's no time to play. How can we play when the mountain of work and problems we are faced with each day get higher and deeper? 
How can we play when the world is overcome with poverty and famine and war? And there are so many things that we could add to that list right now. But he goes on to say, play is an expression of God's presence in the world. One clear sign of God's God's absence in society is the absence of playfulness and laughter. Play is not an escape. It is the way to release the life-smothering grip of busyness, stress, and anxiety. Playfulness is a modern expression of hope, a celebration of the flickering light of the gospel that plays with the dark by pouncing on the surrounding darkness like a cat toying with a mouse. Yeah, that's great. And, and some of those ideas we're going to flesh out yeah. even more yeah. um, this morning. And maybe to add one more kind of foundational piece to our conversation this morning, I want to reference um, Edwin Friedman. And Edwin Friedman is a rabbi and a family therapist. And he actually did some pretty significant work um, for pastoral care uh, in, for us clergy and rabbis because he began to combine the concept of family systems theory, which basically looks at how families are dysfunctional or healthy, and the relationships within completely applied that concept to churches and synagogues and that there are some exact same dynamics at play in dysfunctional or healthy churches. And it became incredibly helpful for pastors working with pastoral care and leading congregations to understand some of those dynamics. But his most helpful concept for this morning is the non-anxious presence and the non-anxious environment. So a non-anxious presence is simply uh, a person who is able to just not be drawn into the fray of anxiety that might uh, surround them. They're able to distance themselves from it and not get caught up in it. And a non-anxious environment is a, a, a place that is calm and it is cool, it is focused, it's co- a collected environment in where those around it are able to be relaxed. And both of those are important pieces of being able to play in some healthy ways. Um, and I think you have an well, example. Well, sometimes that, sometimes that non-anxious presence can help to create a non-anxious environment. Right? Yes. And I, I think that that's where we, we become a gift to the world around us when we're able to live into this. I, in um, one of our men's community groups this past Thursday, we were meeting uh, in the picnic shelter for lunch, and um, <clears throat> several of the, the guys in the group were, were just... I mean, as, you know, so much of our kind of water cooler conversations right now have to do with COVID and decisions that are being made and and the frustrations around that and the frustration around the, you know, disruption of schedule and life and all of those things. And and so, you know, we're all kind of sharing those grievances. And then, you know, like men tend to do, we're also armchair quarterbacking, (laughs) like, here's how we think this should be done. And here's how these decisions should be made. And, and, And there's one of the guys that hadn't shared yet, and he finally speaks up and he says, you know, I, I actually find that I'm in a different place than, um, than you guys seem to be with this. He said, I, I've decided, um, I, like I know COVID is real, and, and it's certainly a part of my thoughts, but I've decided not to make it a part of my regular conversation. Um, instead, I've chosen to focus on things that I can do something about, mm-hmm. and I've chosen to focus on the people around me. And it was like, in just that one moment, we all, like, loathed ourselves, you know, <laughs> on the one hand and felt this like real guilt, but also just were so thankful for that non-anxious presence and just what he spoke into the group. And then it just completely shifted the focus right. of the conversation from that point forward. So that was, I mean, just a, a real time, like, wow, this is, this is how 
someone who comes from a place of non-anxiousness can influence where there is anxiety. Absolutely, uh, and, and it happens time and time again, and, and so that's part of the practice that we want to, to cultivate when, yeah. when we are able. And Friedman goes on to say that one of the best ways to cultivate that non-anxiety space is to play. That play is a way that takes us um, out of the stress and anxiety and into a, 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 a different mindset. And that was also what he said, it's a mindset, not a method. So there's not steps that you can take that equal play, therefore you will feel better. Well, it's, that's hard for us, right? Yeah. Like, especially if you're type A, just give me the things I have to <laughs> right. do. And, and then I know I'm playing. <laughs> right, right, but it's not. It really is, it's a mindset. Play is not telling jokes or being silly. It is instead this mindset of um, creativity and um, un of, of experimenting and being able to be flexible. It is a mindset that allows us to weather suffering but it is also a mindset that allows us to experience our deepest joys. Mm. And this is what we want to, to, to lift up today as being that, that tool to living a more peace-filled life. And so what does scripture has to say to us this morning? Um, we've got a couple of, of examples to share. And the, the first uh, couple come from Psalms, and one that we've just heard a song that, um, that, that celebrated from Psalm 126. But I think both of these Psalms provide a lens in which uh, they help us to look at life in a way that creates a more playful mindset about our relationship with God. And so I want to invite you to notice how the psalmist described their life circumstances eventually being transformed, and then their response to that transformation is to express gratitude mm -hmm. to God. So this freedom of expression of joy and celebration, even though life can, quite frankly, be difficult. So the first reading is from Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. When the Lord changed Zion's circumstances for the better, it was like we had been dreaming. Our mouths were suddenly filled with laughter and our tongues were filled with joyful shouts. It was even said at that time among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us and we are overjoyed. Lord, change our circumstances for the better like dry streams in the desert waste. Let those who plant with tears reap the harvest with joyful shouts. Let those who go out crying and carrying their seed come home with joyful shouts, carrying bells of grain. And then from Psalm 103, the first five verses, let my whole being bless the Lord. Let everything inside me bless his holy name. Let my whole being bless the Lord and never forget all his good deeds. How God forgives all your sins, heals all your sickness, saves your life from the pit, crowns you with faithful love and compassion, and satisfies you with plenty of good things so that your youth is made fresh like an eagle's. I hear these texts and I get the sense that when we can look with, to God with gratitude, 
when we can approach God with a sense of gratitude for all that God has done in our lives, that it helps us not only celebrate our love for God, but God's love for us. And this is the kind of playful relationship that I think nurtures this spirit of joy within us that becomes life-sustaining, completely life-sustaining for us. And then finally, we have a passage from Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Paul says, Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say, be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. So with Philippians, and Paul is really good at doing this, this, notice how he just packs into a few verses, just one right after another, these directives. But these five directives together in combination can lead to a life that is filled with peace, and I also think are characteristics of good, healthy playfulness. Mm -hmm. And, And just to recap, he said, be glad and rejoice, be kind to others, Don't be anxious because God is near. Pray to God about your concerns and to be grateful. And when you do those five things, then um, they will lead to this deep sense of peace that will enter your heart and mind. Right. Well, one of the things that strikes me about this is that inherent in each of these directives is, is is relationship. Like we, we, you know, in order to, to rejoice, to be glad and rejoice, you know, don't be anxious because God is near. It's this, we have to come to a place where we understand that God is indeed near. And that, going back to the Psalms, it's this rehearsal of all that God has done for us that keeps us in that place of one, being able to trust God right. with the things that we're anxious about, but two, being able to have a, a, a spirit of, of rejoicing when Gosh, right now, what so many of us are feeling is a spirit of anxiety, right? right? And, and I, I think that this is important for us to, to name. You know, we don't worry about the things that we're sure of. We don't worry about the things that we can control. And most of you listening, likely, you're not concerned about where your next meal is going to come from. So that's not necessarily, I mean, we might want, you know, be thinking about, well, what are we going to have for our next meal? But we're not necessarily thinking or worrying over the next meal. That's not the reality for everybody. There are some for whom the reality is, no, I, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. But the, what, we, what we find in this season is that all of us are dealing with, with the disruption and the unknown in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's the things that are unknown that put us in this place of worry and then in this place of anxiety. And when we recognize that and recognize that the tension that we're feeling with one another and the tension that we might be feeling with God and the frustration is, is merely how this is affecting us, mm-hmm. right? You and I might be affected by this in different places and that might affect the way that we you know, deal with each other or deal with other people. But what we need to recognize is rather than getting angry with somebody and say, gosh, that person is carrying this in a way that I might not be, right. you know, um, and and this, this invitation to approach them from a place of, of generosity and, and grace to know that, man, the, the playing field right now is level. 
Mm-hmm. We just we're just navigating this in a different way, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, I, I think that that's just that's important to name because that feels like one of the things that's just it's disruptive right now. It's, it's kind of throwing off the way that we relate to one another and the way that we understand who God is in the midst of this. Right, in ways that we've not experienced right. before. Um, so for all of us, it's new. And I think the beauty of, of what you've just said too, in light of this approach or a mindset of playfulness is that the playfulness can be healing and life-giving to all of folks. Right no matter what it is that has caused them to be stressed or anxious, that that doesn't really matter. The, the mindset of playfulness can have the very same positive effects no matter what brings the, that person to, to the table. And I think that's a, a beautiful gift that this playfulness that God has given us um, is for us. So, so let's take a deeper dive into how this practice of playfulness can lead to a life a more peace-filled life. And so there are several ways that this happens, and one of those ways is to understand that play can shape a non-anxious presence within us. And I think we all can agree that that play is normative, that it literally is identity-forming. When we look to see what play does in the life of a child, we know children learn through play to develop relational skills, confidence, creativity, they learn imagination. In a safe space, they learn what their strengths and their weaknesses are long before that might matter in a more adult-like way. Um, Play can help us learn our sense of self. And the reality is those are true for children, but it actually doesn't stop for us as adults. We continue to learn all of those things about ourselves through the practice of play. And so the result of that is the more comfortable we are with who we are, with, with ourselves, then the more at peace we can stay in our day-to-day living. Right, and, and that comes from a rootedness in who we under, understand ourselves to be in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, I mean, if I, if I were to you know, kind of chart my life and chart who I thought I was at different points in my life, I'm all over the map <laughs> based on how old I was and based on the pressures that were coming from outside of me. But it was when, when the gospel got a hold of my life, and then I had people who were willing to speak that into me and affirm that, and, and really challenge, challenge me in what it means to find my identity in Christ. I mean, I think we could all probably name those people that we just feel like, man, they feel, it seems like they just live untouched by the pressures of the world. Part of that is just a rootedness in who they understand themselves right. to be in Jesus. And so I think that that's, that's where we begin to find that, that freedom. And I love, I love what you said about, like, it's, it's the place where identity is formed, but it's not the thing that defines us, no. right? No one's looking at us and saying, gosh, you're not a very good player. <laughs> you must have some real issues, you right. know? It, it's, it's, the, it's, it's one of the few things in life that we're not being measured in, right? You know, I mean, I, I get, you know, competitive sports, but even still, like, it, that's, that has ultimately is not going to be the thing that defines someone for the rest of their life. Right, and we are not talking about play as competitive no, sports. No. <laughs> Thank goodness. But, but yeah, to build on that sense of identity in Christ and who, who and how, or no, why we're valued. Mm-hmm. Um, play reminds us that our value as a person is not dependent on our purpose, our being able to do, do something, to be of good use. Mm-hmm. 
that that's not the point, and, and I love this, that play reminds us that the quality of life, our quality of life does not depend on our accomplishments. And I'm gonna say that again, because I think there's some of us that really need to hear this. Play reminds us that our quality of life does not uh, depend on or be equal to our accomplishments in life. And so this is one of the ways that play helps reduce our stress because it reminds us we don't have to be perfect. Play is not perfect. Play is is open-ended and we just experience it and it reminds us to stop and smell the roses and to live in the moment and to to not um, get caught up in purpose and accomplishments. Right, right, right. And that, that being in the moment. And sometimes the the play that goes awry and it goes differently than the way that we had it pictured in our mind. Sometimes those are the those are those the moments where we find ourselves when we're willing to give ourselves over to it, we find the most freedom. Right? Absolutely. And and discover something new. Yeah. I love it. And so it just play allows us to live fully in the moment, which I think is also what God desires mm-hmm. of us. And when we can play in and with the world that's another way that helps us to, to, to create a more positive interface with the world that for some is a way of reducing anxiety as well. And play can be, can be part of that interface um, if we're struggling. Um, so another way that play can be incredibly helpful is to, to accept the notion that play is serious. And I think we've already kind of gotten at that with what we've said, but I know there's some folks that go, I'm just having a hard time taking this whole thing seriously. Like, who has time to go and play? Well, we don't mean playing games. We don't mean, like, in this sense of entering into this sort of childhood world. That play is actually serious business. And, and when you watch kids, they actually take their play seriously. And if they are in that make-believe world, by golly, don't make fun of them. Either, either enter it with them or give them the space to, to, to act out what they are acting out because it really is serious work that they are about. And so when we can accept this truth that play can be serious, then we can begin to accept all the ways that play can actually benefit us, including helping us to handle the hard stuff. And so one of the ways that play as being serious work for us is that we can find within God this refuge, a safe refuge, and that's part of what the psalmists were expressing. And when we have that safety and can be vulnerable and trust, then we can have the freedom to play at our very, very best. And God gives us that space to be able to, to, to do that, to experience and express that part of ourselves. And so we begin to trust God then through the thick and the thin of our lives. And uh, play then ends up helping us to be able to face some of the hardships of our life, including death, with this deep sense of grace. And you mentioned in your own life, and I've had that experience in my life as well, when I was kind of reflecting back on the history of play in my life, I realized that that's exactly uh, 
probably the best tool my family used to deal with grief in the tragic loss of my father and grandfather, that we really played together and we would, would play games and just, oh my gosh, I would rather spend my weekends playing with my family sometimes than going out with my friends, which may sound weird, but we just had a lot of fun. And what I realized is that even in the midst of our grief and our sadness over our loss, play gave us a space to be able to experience joy and to continue to figure out our relationships with one another um, in spite of this loss and alongside of this loss. So it really was a powerful tool to help us face um, a very difficult challenge and in I life. I think that is such an important point because what we don't want people to hear is that we're talking about play as escapism, just right. like putting the blinders on and pretending like, Nothing is wrong in the world, right? Um, it, but it is, it is the space in which um, we find, you know, that, that freedom that you're talking about. And, and part of that comes from a place of, I, mean, I, I love the beginning of Hebrews. You know, the author of mm-hmm. Hebrews is kind of laying out like, this is who Jesus is. This Jesus has always been in the picture. And, and he says that when, you know, when, he, when everything that was created through him, and now he is sustaining everything by the, you know, the power of his word, and he's provided the means for the give, forgiveness of sins, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. It's this picture of like, Jesus has got it, <laughs> right? And for us, the idea when we're worried about things of taking a seated posture, we, we can't do that. There's too much to be done, right. you know? Um, and, and it's that trust that God is, God is holding us. God is with us in those times of stress, those times of grief. And it's because of that that God gives us that space and the freedom to experience delight and to experience laughter and to experience play. In those times when it seems like, wait, this, it's, it's like a record scratch, right? But it's right. the best kind of record scratch. Right, and to not feel guilty because of, you know, dealing with whatever that real hardship of life is, and yet to also be able to experience joy, mm-hmm. it, it can be a both and. Right. Uh, and as you said, not an escapism, but a both and. Right. Can I just, what, just one more thing yeah. from Hebrews. Hebrews 12, and speaking of, you know, Jesus, for the joy set beho- before him endured the cross. Nothing right. enjoyable about the cross, right. but it, it's what that meant for humanity, right? Mm-hmm. So those two things can exist Suffering and joy can exist together. Hand right, hand. absolutely, absolutely. And, and kind of the last piece around play as serious but important work for us comes from Eugene Peterson, and he wrote a book called Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, which just the title alone is fascinating. Right. It comes from a poem. Uh, but play is actually freedom to live our life beyond the necessi- necessities and beyond just survival. Like someone that's living for just the necessities and survival is in crisis. And, and there are people that live in crisis. But that is not what God's intent and desire is for us. And so when we, we are able to play, it is an intentional and meaningful expression of both beauty, of truth, of goodness, of some of the most powerful things of life that we want to explore and to experience. And so, in some ways, play actually offers us the pathway, the way to be able to understand not only our life, but what life in Christ looks like at its best. Play is a vehicle to help us to be able to do that. And one of the best expressions, I think, of play, um, allowing us to explore our understanding and relationship with God, is actually worship. Mm. That 
when you think about it, worship is an expression of play in which we can be filled with joy and delight and emotions that we express, that we've got certain rules in which we know we're going to play by, but it's, it's also creative so we can be flexible about what that ultimately looks like. And so worship becomes a way of delighting in God and for us to also experience God's delight in us. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think going back to you know, part of our identity as a church and offering different formats of worship, realizing that people play in different ways. Mm -hmm. People express their worship to God in different ways, in, in ways that feel more um, natural to who they are, right? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, every time I think about the, that relationship between rejoicing and suffering, you have to think about Paul, right? You think about the things that Paul suffered for the sake of the gospel and the number of letters that he wrote from prison and, and yet he would, you know, be giving instruction and then in the midst of it would just break out into, you know, worship, yeah. just rejoicing in who God is. And you think, gosh, this guy is, what is going on there, you know? Mm -hmm. but, but it was the depth of Paul's understanding of, of, the G, of Jesus and, and the gospel that was the foundation for his, his praise. Like one way to say it would be like his doctrine determined his doxology, yeah. you know? And, and I just think that that is such an important so the challenge in this for all of us, and one of the questions we need to ask is, who do I really understand God to be? Right, right. So the last uh, way in which play can help us practice a more peace-filled life is this idea that a playful mindset is one in which lives more by your yeses mm -hmm. than you live by your noes. So, when are we able to say yes more than we say no? And I think that um, this, this means that we can say yes to play and peace and no to anxiety, and that that statement is actually a theological one. And I think that that's so because God modeled it for us. Mm -hmm. God modeled it for us in uh, Jesus Christ. And it's a little bit what, what you had already said, but this sense of God's, um, Jesus saying yes to the cross was big enough to um, release any anxiety that might come in its place. And so we can look at this and say, Jesus said yes to the cross so we can actually truly say no to anxiety because that yes is so much more powerful. It overcomes our sin, it overcomes death, it overcomes suffering in such a way that we have the ability to grasp that hope and try and begin to say no to our own sinfulness, our own anxiety, our own sense of brokenness. And that, that's a powerful gift that God gets, gives us that also looks a little bit like grace, right? right? Saying uh, the yes being stronger than the no. Grace, in my opinion, could also be defined as God's yes to us. Yeah. That grace is God saying yes to us far more powerful than the no to our sinfulness. Mm. And, and, and that is something that we as people of faith have to wrap our head around and embrace and just receive. Right, right. Well, when, when thinking about, you know, children at play, they're not concerned with understanding play. Yeah. They simply want to experience it, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, maybe for us to begin to adopt that, that yes from God and saying yes to play, it's not something we wrap our heads around. It's something that we merely experience and enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as we do that, we begin to then understand 
the significance of it and the importance of it. Right, through the experience. Another way that this saying um, yes more than we say no can be incredibly helpful in uh, more peace-filled living is in our relationships with those that are important to us. When we can say yes more than we can say no, we build others up. We affirm them and we begin to put positive energy into helping to make that relationship right. Mm -hmm. And so a question that I would have for folks to reflect on is... um, in what ways are you helping to affirm those around you by saying yes more than you say no? And if that is a struggle, if you're struggling with building up some of those relationships and people around you, is part of it maybe caused because you are playing at playing? Another way of saying faking it, right? Another way of saying not quite um, putting my heart into this. That that might be a helpful um, thing to just stop and reflect on. And how can you build up those relationships by saying yes more than you say no? And the last piece of this is uh, that people who have a playful mindset, they know how to rest. So they know when to say yes to play and rest, and they know when to say no to work. They have a healthy boundary around um, that work-life balance, and um, that's important Um, because sometimes we feel like we've got to fill up our time instead of just being. When we've got some free time, can we just be sometimes rather than having to um, fill that space up? So in closing, um, uh, there's a quote from Conrad Hires who says, where there is humor, there is hope, and where there is hope, there is humor. And I think what he means by that is humor is a way of helping us to grab hold of and live into hope, particularly when things can be difficult. And maybe the the closing thought for, for this message is to remind all of us that our most fundamental fundamental Christian belief or doctrine is that uh, we believe God's love for us is so uh, intense and amazing that um, God promises us this, to quote um, Troy Cady, this supreme pleasure or this never-ending life that awaits for us in eternal life. God loves us so much that God promises this eternal life, this gift. And as you and Jeff kind of talked about from the beginning, joy was from the very beginning, even before creation. And joy is also going to be present at the end. And so when we think of living a life of peace, and in a non-anxious environment, then we lean heavily into these promises of God for this eternal life filled with joy and being in the presence of God, which is joy. That can make our current circumstances more tolerable. That gives us that hope that we need to um, live through, to wrestle with whatever it is that we might be facing. And I do think hope gives us the strength to endure pretty much anything, and humor and playfulness helps that hope to then stay alive and well, not only on our best days, but maybe especially on the most difficult days. So, if we agree that play shapes and forms us, even as adults, and that play can be something to be taken seriously because of all of the ways that it benefits us emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, 
and that um, having that mindset of playfulness is more about living out our ability to say yes than our tendency to say no, I believe this playfulness can help us find and stay in a peaceful place. And I believe that these practices allow us to follow then Paul's teaching to be, great, to be glad and rejoice, to be kind to others, to not be anxious, and to trust that God is indeed present with us or near, to pray to God when we do have our anxiousness and concerns, and to be grateful then, then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep our hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen. Yeah, and the the promise there is not that Paul is saying God's going to change your circumstances. The promise is that God's going to guard your hearts with the peace of Christ. Right. Yeah. And we give thanks for that. And one way in which we're able to respond to this word today is to be able to celebrate communion, which again is God's great yes um, to... uh, uh, to us and to the world. And so if you haven't gotten your elements for communion, make sure you have them in front of you as we prepare to receive today.